0: Yeah, and so at this time when there are growing calls in the U.S. to escalate the proxy war in Ukraine to give Ukraine F-16s and attackums and whatever else they, they're they asking for, uh, and at a time when U.S. officials are increasingly ramping up conflict with China, it would be wonderful if our elected progressives could be a voice of sanity and a voice uh, calling for diplomacy. But let's look at what Bernie Sanders just did. He was on the BBC uh, promoting his new book, and he was asked about Ukraine and he basically said he's fully in lockstep with joe biden it's not an issue that i've been
1: heavily involved in but i i support what the president is doing i think what putin did was outrageous not only for the people of the ukraine and all the destruction not only for the thousands and tens of thousands of russian soldiers who have been dying we need a world now if we're going to combat climate change, if we're going to combat future pandemics. We need a world to come together. And Putin has radically disrupted that. And that is a real tragedy. What? But I think at the end of the day, the United States, NATO cannot sit back and allow Putin's
0: aggression to go uh, un- unresponded to. We need a world to come together to combat climate change. But first, before we do that, we need the world <laughs> to risk nuclear war so that we can uh, prevent. Uh, ethnic russians inside ukraine from having their cultural rights respected uh, and having their whims respected in crimea where most of them want to be a part of russia not, not ukraine before we uh, co- cooperate on climate change we need to risk nuclear war over who, who gets to rule crimea and eastern parts of ukraine and also ensure that we have a proxy on russia's border even though every single rational top u.s diplomat in recent memory, has warned against how reckless that is. It's like Bernie Sanders has forgotten everything he used to say. He used to talk at least about NATO expansion, how that was provocative towards Russia. He wrote an op-ed, or at least he signed his name to an op-ed shortly before, or maybe early on in Russia's invasion, around that time, about how NATO expansion to Russia's borders was provocative. He's forgotten all that now. Now it's just, oh, I, I don't, I'm not really following it. I, I'm not really involved in it, but I support what Biden is doing, and NATO and Russia need to stand up. To uh, and and NATO and the U.S. need to stand up to Russia.
2: was award-winning journalist Aaron Maté speaking. He won the Izzy Award named after I.F. Stone in 2019 for his coverage of Russiagate in the nation Uh, and also just recently won in 2022 the Pierre Spray Award and this one was specifically awarded to him for his coverage on Washington's true objectives in the Ukraine war such as urging regime change in Russia And uh, that's why he got that. He's also spoken at the UN, the Security Council, uh, talking about Syria and the uh, problems being caused by the U.S. and allied forces there. The song was Let It All Be by the Melvins from their classic record, The Bootlicker. And speaking of bootlickers, how about that Bernie Sanders? Whatever goodwill he built up from that amazing 2016 presidential run has, for me anyway, been totally squandered. And I can say the same thing for every so-called progressive and so-called leftist in the U.S. government who has just completely rolled over on this war. And the Canadian bootlickers in our own government aren't much better. Here's what our supposed leftist party NDP had to say in a statement on the war. It has been one year since Putin launched his illegal full-scale invasion of the Ukraine. Putin's brutal war has murdered and violated tens of thousands of Ukrainians and displaced hundreds and thousands more. Ukrainians have lost their loved ones and their homes and have watched in horror as their cities burn through it all Ukrainians have defended themselves and their country with courage and love they're heroically fighting for all of us for democracy International law and a world order based on justice and accountability their spirit and resilience in the face of this genocide shine bright Okay, NDP. So what about Syria? What about the illegal sanctions on the country under the Caesar Act that Canada's full-on supporting the people in that country? Not the government, not the oligarchs, the people have been suffering under an illegal, brutal sanctions regime imposed by the U.S. government for years now. And for what? Like Trump said, don't worry, we've secured the oil. How is this operating under democracy, international law, and a world based on justice and accountability? Even in the wake of a devastating earthquake, which killed, what, tens of thousands of people? They're still not going to lift the sanctions. And where's the NDP on that? Where's your statement on that? Silence? And how about Yemen? How are things going down there? The NDP is all upset about the legitimately awful number of dead in Ukraine, but tens of thousands? According to the UN, more than 400,000 people have died in Saudi Arabia's attempted genocide in Yemen, aided and abetted by U.S. weapons manufacturers. But silence, right NDP? Silence on that one. It took China to negotiate a peace between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which were the two countries that were fighting there by proxy to bring any hope to ending that war. Why couldn't we do it? What happened to Canada? I've long been able to hold my head up a little higher internationally because I'm from Canada, but now we're just the same as the States. Even our supposed leftist major party, the NDP, has nothing to say on any of this. Looking at their official commitments from their website, there's not even a single thing about foreign policy. I guess they'd only need one line anyway, right? Just a link to a page detailing U.S. foreign policy. This bootlicking of the American imperialist agenda, which, by the way, is being brought to you by the exact same people that brought you the war in Iraq 20 years ago, which killed, by some counts, one million civilians. These people are insane. They do not want peace, and they need to be pushed back against. Now, if you think I sound angry lately, let me tell you that I'm not nearly angry enough. If you think I sound scared, then I'll tell you that I'm not nearly as scared as I should be. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, the experts on matters of war and peace and nuclear weapons, earlier this year told, we, told us that we are 90 seconds to midnight, the closest humanity has ever been to completely destroying ourselves. And for What? No country is worth destroying the world for, and more of us should be standing up and demanding answers from our politicians about why they aren't pushing for negotiations to start ASAP. Silence isn't an option anymore on this, and I'm done being silent on it. So what I'm doing is we're taking a look at the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, we're taking a look at Dangerous Decades, and uh, I'm trying to find the, the... The most dangerous year in that decade, according to them. And taking a look at music from that year, telling you a little bit about that year, and then telling you what the clock was at for that year. So we've done the uh, 2000s, we did the 1980s, we did the 1960s, we did the 1950s, and for this final segment, we're going to do the 1940s. If you've been paying attention for the last couple of weeks or whatever... It'll be a little easier I guess cuz you'll know that there's a pretty small segment of the 1940s that you have to think about but uh, here we go with some 1940s music Cheap Tuesdays 101.5 UMFM I'm Dan 1945, but things didn't go well for relations between the winners. The Soviet Union lost uh, an estimated around 20 million plus soldiers in the war, something that is not taught in virtually any history lesson you'll see in the West in high schools or or featured in any jingoistic Western movie about the war. In fact, without them, it's arguable whether we would have won the war at all, uh, as Hitler's dumb idea to try to invade Soviet Union in the winter, which is something that Napoleon had done and failed at. Uh, incurred massive losses to his army and weakened them significantly. But the sides, the winners, the winning two sides, they just couldn't come to a stable peace after the war, which set the rest of the world on edge. (laughs) ¶¶ As they already were, news that the Soviet Union had developed their own atomic bomb and exploded it in a test sent shockwaves around the Western world. This seems to have caught us somewhat by surprise, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists statement for the year we're talking about, uh, as they were thinking it was another year or two off at least, with some people in Western governments saying that it was as much as 10 or 15 years off or that it was never going to happen. So, this drastically changed the calculus for the US and its allies. And it seemed that the earlier predictions of brinkmanship were coming to pass, and the world was facing this brand new reality of a possible full-on nuclear war. <clears> Thank <throat> you. of NATO as a force to cross Europe and prevent Soviet aggression did little to assuage people's fears. Add to that the still unresolved situation in Korea, which would lead to the Korean War very shortly. The equally unresolved situation in China, which later on in the year we're talking about would wrap up its own civil war finally. To many, this whole situation, the whole world must have just seemed like it was in a fresh version of World War II with new enemies. You know, why would they not think that? You know, unlike our generations, most middle-aged to older people by this time in the late 40s had seen two world wars in their lifetime. Uh, So having another one probably seemed very likely. But again, this one would be different since it would be with nuclear bombs. But even with all that that I've described to you, how terrifying this new reality was and how awful it seemed, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists put the doomsday clock to three minutes to midnight in this year, the year 1949. So to be clear, the time we're living in now is more dangerous than when the world first realized there was a possibility of nuclear war in a world where the conflicts of World War II were still not entirely settled. We're 90 seconds to midnight. Silence is no longer an option. We need to demand that our politicians put a stop to this conflict. No more money, no more weapons, no more support whatsoever. There must be a call for a negotiated peace before it's too late for all of us. So moving on to the last half of the show, I mentioned last week uh, that the 1984 movie The Day After was a harrowing look at nuclear war that should be mandatory viewing in high schools around the world, and I stand by that. Uh, But I sort of assumed that there couldn't possibly be a freakier, scarier movie than that one. Damn, was I wrong. In 1984, Britain also produced their own TV movie called Threads. And while the special effects aren't quite as impactful in the explosion scenes as in the day after, they did a much better job showing the aftermath. Here's a CKND TV president, D.C. Brinton, discussing it in a short introduction before they finally played it on tv in manitoba in 1985. good
1: evening during the next two hours cknd will telecast the manitoba premiere of the controversial bbc production of threads a fictional docudrama depicting nuclear wars shocking reality based on scientific medical agricultural and psychological research you will not be watching a pleasant drama. Some reviewers of Threads have stated that it makes last year's ABC production, The Day After, look like a walk in the park. However, it is educational, informative, compelling, and thought-provoking. And CKND, as a community responsive broadcaster, believes it should be telecast in Manitoba. Sometimes we need to be made uncomfortable by what we watch on TV, and it will be very difficult to sit through the next two hours without experiencing discomfort. And yet Threads demands to be seen both for its uncommon skill of presentation and for its important subject matter. Threads tells the story of two families living in Sheffield, England from one month before their hometown is devastated by a nuclear strike through the horrifying and harrowing aftermath, graphically depicted over a 13-year period. Due to the nature of the content, CKND has decided this special program should not be interrupted. So we present threads uncut, uninterrupted, and commercial-free. If you choose to watch it, we expect that you will also make your own decision as to its importance and its reality thank you
2: unfortunately again there's no music in this feature which means i can't make it the score for the week and again that's no problem it it works much better without music so that's not a complaint at all i i highly recommend that you seek it out though but uh be warned it's pretty harsh instead something a little more fun uh i did warn you that you'd have to put up with two things for me in the next little while anti-war shows and doctor who And uh, I would like to try to do uh, one of the Doctors every month until the 60th anniversary comes later this year. I don't think I'm going to quite make it, but I'll get close. So last time we did the first Doctor, who was uh, from 1963 to like, 66, then, uh, you know, William Hartnell, he got sick, and uh, a genius at the show who, once they realized that Hartnell couldn't keep doing this schedule, he kept forgetting his lines. He's famous for bumbling his lines. Once they realized he needed a good long rest and they needed uh, to find a way to continue the series, a genius was like, well, why don't we just, he's an alien. Why don't we just replace the actor and just say that this is what he does when he dies. His body changes. Uh, Genius move. So then we had Patrick Troughton come in for the second doctor. And uh, he's great. Unfortunately, you know, the BBC had a policy back in these days of not hanging on to old videotapes. They needed to reuse them. And, you know, TV wasn't the way it is today. Nobody thought that these that people would care about these things later, really. There was no home video market or anything like that. So it does seem a little short-sighted in retrospect, but uh, they erased a whole bunch, and Patrick Troughton's especially. So there aren't as many surviving episodes of his as there are of uh, Hartnell's, and it's too bad because he's a fun doctor. As far as the music goes... Um, there have been a couple of official releases. There was one for uh, the Crotons, which I've played on the show before, ages ago. I think 10 years ago, at the 50th anniversary. And there was also one for the Invasion, I believe. Um, but the one that we're going to hear this week is is a release called Doctor Who at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, Volume 1, The Early Years. And uh, a lot of this music is also on the 11-CD set uh, that came out, where each Doctor gets its own CD. And the fellow who made this was Brian Hodgson, born in 1938 and still alive right now. He joined the BBC Radiophonic Workshop in 1962, and he was one of the original sound effects creators for Doctor Who. Uh, he devised the sound of the of the TARDIS, which he created by running the back door key to his mother's house along a, a bass string of a gutted piano, then electronically treating the recording. Uh, also developed the voice of the Daleks. Uh, which he created by distorting the actors' voices and feeding them through a ring modulator, Um, and also did some of the score work. Um, Unfortunately, when you look at his Wikipedia page, which is where I'm reading this off of, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information about what else he's done besides the Doctor Who, but uh, there's a couple of things, but nothing you're really going to recognize too much, although he did do a little bit of music for The Legend of Hell House, uh, which is excellent. Uh, a really really great movie Um, so yeah without any further ado Second Doctor Music from Brian Hodgson we're talking about like 66 to 69 more or less in England interesting history of electronic music stuff so this is Cheap Tuesdays I'm going to stop talking now 101.5 UMFM I'm Dan take care of yourselves folks see you here next week from 10 to (laughs) 11pm
3: Thank you.